Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Thanks everybody for listening to the last episode I did on GTO where I told a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of personal stories about school and about going through school and about great teachers, a particular great teacher I had. Um, maybe even some bad ones I don't quite remember. But, um, thanks a lot for listening to it. That, that episode ended up being a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Um, now, as a lot of you may know, in between last episode and this episode, uh, there have been two celebrity deaths. One that lots of people recognize the handbags, but nobody much really understands, and that is Kate Spade committed suicide, and the other one that was, at least for me personally, and for kind of like the universe around me was a lot more affecting was Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain, for the listeners who don't know, was a... a not quite a spot... He, he wasn't an aspiring chef. He was a... He was a line cook in uh, New York City. And he wrote an article for a small paper that got picked up by... I think it was like the New York Post or maybe even the New York Times that turned into a book deal um, that and that book ended up like re shaking up the restaurant world and revealing to a lot of people what the restaurant universe was about um, I think the book was called Medium Raw um, but in any case if you look up Anthony Bourdain's books you'll find most likely three. The first two are the ones you really want to go out and read. The last one is a book he wrote that was ill-advised called Bone of the Throat, and it's a chef-inspired, it's a, like, food-inspired murder mystery. <laughs> That's... But by his personal account, it's pretty bad, and probably is. But I, I really encourage anybody to who is um, not only... Not only interested in if okay so if you're listening to me on this podcast and you've listened to this podcast for a long time you're probably interested in anime from a storytelling perspective from a perspective that's more than ooh rude anime titties although I have talked about that on this show before um if you're interested in that stuff I really and you haven't ever checked out Anthony Bourdain Yes, he's unfortunately gone now, but you should really, like, watch some of his TV, some of the great travel TV he's produced, or read either one of his two books, or um, you can go out and you can read um, his comic book, which is all about a sushi chef in a version of L.A. that revolves around food, and sushi is supposed to be one of the most vital and most important foods in that in the universe of that comic book. I forget what it's called. Um, but that's a really good, cool thing. You can go check that out. But, so I... He... 
Anthony Bourdain is someone who grew to love traveling, and he grew to love... Uh, he, he'd always loved food, but he loves traveling more. Um, uh, he had figured out a way for himself to travel around the world on somebody else's dime and eat good food around the world on somebody else's dime. He had, uh, he had achieved the kind of life that lots of us dream of. But I, he was also a chef, and he, he was also a chef at many restaurants, but not the kind of... He wasn't the kind of celebrity chef that everybody's familiar with now, um, but he was a, a working chef in New York City and around New York City. He graduated... I think he graduated Culinary Institute of America, but he he understood how that world worked. Um, he underst- and he understood how that world worked before it changed to be more presentable. I mean, he has and content warnings here definitely not not so much for the part of the podcast where I'm talking about what we'll get into, but this right now. Uh, he has stories about, like, there's one specific story in his first book where the sous chef just uh, screws a, bro- a like, a just-married woman in the back of the kitchen. Um, there are m- numerous stories of him being, like, coked up with other chefs who are also coked up and, like, just making food. It's it's a really interesting story of it's a story it's a story of someone who would become famous not for cooking but for talking about cooking and for and he would become a famous writer that sprouted out of cooking not necessarily famous for his food um and I, I think that that's uh, that's an important thing for people to understand and for people to appreciate because I, not everybody gets to achieve their dream, but sometimes you achieve your dream, you find out this isn't for me. I don't really want to do this, and but then you've achieved your dream. What do you do? What do you do next? And in a lot of ways, unfortunately, Anthony Bourdain clearly didn't have the answer for that because he took his own life. But he demonstrated an idea that's the idea that you don't have to set your mind to something to do something great. You can end up there eventually. But he also created a show a a kind of laundry list a kind of path of shows if you will that were all about travel and all about going and experiencing other cultures and and he he has a really great which I think is up right now for free on Mark Maron's podcast he has a really great 
interview with Mark Merwin, he talks about the power of just simply sitting down to eat with someone, and the fact that you don't you don't have to agree with that person to sit down and eat with them and enjoy the same plate of food, and how food can bring everybody together, and I think that's a really amazing and true statement. I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with, like, an alt-right trumpeter racist person, but I bet we could still go get a real good burger and both like real good burger. I bet we both really love fucking barbecue. And when there's nothing else there, if the if we are both like, well, ribs are awesome, then we have something to talk about. We have a place to meet that is, at the very least, a place to meet. And in a universe that is so bent on dividing people and separating people and on placing people in their boxes, that's a really powerful thing to say for just a second we're going to come together on either end of the table, sit down, have some good-ass food, and we're good with that. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter who, like, what you think. It doesn't matter what your opinion on the second fucking amend- amendment is. I don't care. Because right now, there's ribs in front of us, and we both like fucking ribs. And... It, I... He he demonstrated that. I mean, if you know anything about Anthony Bourdain, or if you go learn about Anthony Bourdain, you get to you begin to understand he is about as democratic left wing as they come, kind of like me. But he encountered because he traveled because. In his life, he got to travel all over the world and talk to all kinds of people. He got to break bread with all kinds of people. That he wasn't always breaking bread with people he liked. And oftentimes, he formed relationships with people, even if they were only momentary, based on the fact that, like, we both like really good food. Um, For example, he has... He is, and was until the day he died, good friends with Ted Nugent. The, like, gun-toting, kill-Obama, crazy Ted Nugent. And that was because they bonded over food. And they had really common and true affinity for kinds of foods they liked and for the way that food is talked about and prepared and all this other stuff. It... uh, It's a world... Food can be a world of its own, and it can be a... enticing world that you can get lost in it. You can... spend your whole life pursuing it. And not that Anthony Bourdain did that. He also... And this will come in... Both of these things will come in to play heavily in the show we're about to talk about. Anthony Bourdain took his love of travel and food and was able to 
almost through force of will and a lot of luck, um, turn it into his reality and share and but also share that with other people. And it's really it's really unfortunate that he's gone because if he was still walking the earth, he would have continued to do that, I have no doubt. It was it was clear that that was what he wanted to do with his life. That that was what he thought was his kind of purpose was to go with to show people other parts of the world. And if you follow his career, you'll notice that he jumps from network to network to network. And when you read his book, you realize, oh, that's when they started telling him not to travel outside the U.S. as much. That's when they started. To to not allow him to do exactly what he set out to do, and he was one of the few entities left who commanded such an audience so regularly that he could shop himself around completely independently and get a TV deal. I mean, he started out in, I think, 2011 doing his show on the Food Network, and then some corporate shakeups happened to the Food Network, and he jumped ship to the Travel Channel. And then the same thing happened to the Travel Channel, and eventually jumped ship to CNN. And for him to... First, the Food Network to the Travel Channel isn't that big a deal. They're both lifestyle channels and things. But to jump to a network like CNN, to jump to the the news network, and become really... One, a pillar of their quote-unquote entertainment arm, it's a big deal. And the fact that he had the pull and the weight to throw around to do that is a big, like, it's a tribute to the kind of thing, to the persona and kind of television he made um, for himself and others. It's so unfortunate that he's gone, and I wanted to talk about a show that I think takes some of the spirit of what he did with his career and what his show did at their best, and just talk about it and kind of honor him in that way. Because I... As a... Japanese anime fan, I have always wanted to go to Japan, and I am slowly saving up to, be, to hopefully make it to Japan by the time I'm 30. I'm tw- I'm just 29 now, but in, in April. But it, when you see coverage of other countries, you see coverage of other countries in, very, in a very specific way, and a very, like... In a way, in a way that makes it feel like you are. When you get there, you will never feel at home there. You will never understand it. You will never comprehend it. And it, but it also. And this isn't just true of America. I've seen tourist television in Paris. I've seen tourist television all over the world. It's true of all over the world. 
most people tend to look at traveling as a big picture and look for like the big picture moments of like grand majesty like going like looking at the Grand Canyon for the first time or um going up in the going up in the Empire State Building or going to the top of the Eiffel Tower. But what really makes travel, at least for me, and for my mother who raised me, really valuable, is the little moments. The moments that you don't necessarily have pictures of because they're not... They were never things that you got pictures of. They were just little moments that are just what they sound like. For example, I have stood on the street corner and just been waiting across the street in Marrakesh and down comes this guy on a horse with a donkey. Like, driving driving a cart with a donkey. And he just reaches his hands out and we high-fived. I got to high-five a random stranger driving a donkey and cart down a street in Marrakesh. That's an amazing story. That's a top ten incredible story. I have... And that little thing has nothing to do with the sites and sat with the tourist sites of Morocco. But it's a human moment. And it's what enriches people's with what people who travel have have that enriches their lives. Even if they don't stop and think about it. At the, at the moment or maybe even later, but that feeling, that moment of genuine human connection on the other side of the on the other side of the Atlantic with someone you've never met before it's really hard to capture and it's really hard to capture compellingly on TV and Anthony Bourdain did that I have a picture that I still have to get printed out um, and put on my wall of this young girl from um, Valencia. When I was in when I was in Valencia um, last, uh, when I was in Valencia at all, uh, when I was in Valencia, they were having a festival called Las Falas, and Las Falas is this citywide festival where they essentially they build these giant paper mache sculptures that are like wild three D modern graffiti pop art and they are incredible and they build them those sculptures exist for I think three days and on the fourth night they burn them to the ground but what they also do is they is all the residents come back to all the residents and all the families of from Valencia come back to Valencia and they get dressed in traditional Spanish garb and they carry flowers and a, a, they march everywhere. There's the Las Falas marches literally every five seconds. 
and they're playing music, and they're kind of these, like, weird little beautiful moments constantly throughout the city. And then, at the end, they all march, and they all carry flowers, and they all decorate this giant statue, this giant sculpture of the Virgin Mary in the center of the city. Um, but I have this picture of this little girl looking back, dressed completely head-to-toe in traditional Spanish garb, and it's this genuine little human, beautiful picture. And I will always remember that experience of seeing all of that. But that picture, it's just a little beautiful human moment. And I think a lot is, I I know a lot is about travel is pitched at this big, beautiful, unforgettable experience. But what people forget is you have the chance to be a person among other people in another part of the world and relate to them. And Anthony Bourdain did this amazingly. And so without further ado, as my tribute to him, I'm going to talk about a show that exemplifies those things, and that show is A Restaurant from Another World. Now, before we get into a restaurant from another world proper, there are two genres of shows that I want to talk about briefly. And those shows are, first, Iyashke shows, and Iyashke shows, I think I've talked about on a previous episode, are shows that are all about promoting this kind of gentle, sweet, loving, relaxing feeling in the viewer. Another genre of shows I want to talk about is anime cooking shows. These are shows like Shokugeki no Shoma, Soma, Food Wars, 
um, Yakitake Japan. Um, uh, those are the two that spring to mind, but there are a lot, especially after Food Wars, there are a lot more. Tor- a show like Toriko is also ostensibly a food show, although Toriko is rather old now. Um, these are all shows that are about uh, not just the preparation of food, but the kind of almost fetishization of food. Like, whenever in Food Wars, whenever some, whenever Soma makes a new dish, it's like, it's like lovingly shot like it's on the Food Network and gets its own title card. And like, this is and then the judges eat it and their clothes explode. It's all about preparation and presentation of food. It's almost... It's almost like Iron Chef the show. If that makes any sense. Iron Chef the anime the show. And sure enough, one of the biggest cooking shows of all time, Iron Chef, was originally created by Japan, was originally a Japanese show before I think for TV Tokyo sold the rights to it, at least in America, probably now in everything, to Food Network, and Food Network continued it. But uh, A Restaurant to Another World is kind of a pretty confident blend of those two shows, and to be honest, when I when it first came out, I saw it, and I was like, ah, I got other stuff to watch. Maybe I'll watch this later. And I i don't remember when it came out. It came out a bunch of seasons ago, though. But the idea behind... The conceit behind Restaurant to Another World is basically there's this, quote-unquote, Western-style restaurant in modern-day Japan... in modern-day Tokyo that has a back door to it that is just this mysterious interdimensional door that shows up once a week somewhere in a another dim- in, in another dimension in a like fantasy dimension and it this door shows up in specific places all over that dimension and that dimension is like your typical weird little fantasy like high fantasy RPG esque dimension um and the interesting thing is that they don't give you much they don't give you much of a backstory on that dimension over time you find out that like oh all these people are coming from the same place and more than that, all these people are <laughs> like they they start to recognize each other, and they they start to encounter each other more and more in the outside, like in their own high fantasy world, which is really funny because occasionally, like one person will go through another person's door and be like, oh. I was just around. I had. I had to have. I had to have the food. So I asked if I could use this person's door. Is that cool? And the chef is undoubtedly like, "Yeah, that's not against the rules. There's not many rules. Just don't screw up my restaurant." Um, but 
the I forget the chef's name, but the chef is this this kind of like well-meaning guy. He he's run this restaurant since he was a, since he was a sous chef who assisted his father who ran the restaurant, and you get the sense that he he owes a debt of something to this dragon lady who comes who basically comes to call and have food and take a pot of food away with her every once a week and you it has it but they don't give you more than that they give you just enough for your imagination to fill in the to almost fill in the gaps and kind of understand what's this like what this like big storyline is but they don't give you so much that you're drowning in like exposition of like stuff you really don't care about because what you what you end up coming back to that show for is these characters being whisked being whisked away usually for the first time at first but then many times after that to something unlike anything they've ever seen and he he introduces people to these like beautiful moments of food that they've never had before and sometimes it's traditional Japanese food oftentimes it's like it's some kind of food that he thinks will be best for them so um the, the dragon woman always has beef stew. And generally what happens is... And this is, this is kind of great. Because this, this happens to people in, in real life. Is that they order... The, like, he, he make... They, they don't know what to order because they can... They can... They can read the menu, but they barely understand what the menu is freaking talking about because the food is so different from like the high fantasy realm that they're in. Um, that they that he's just like, uh, you know what? Let me make you this. You might like this. Just trust me. And inevitably, they love it, and that's the thing they demand every time they come back, and they. And they, they come back like it's a drug addiction, almost, every seven days. And, um, they all start to know each other by their food orders. Like, um, and they call each other like, hey, it's ham sandwich! And because that's what that person always orders. Or it's like, hey, it's beef off or whatever. And there's all these... There's all these little vignettes about how them just going to a totally different place and sitting down and eating this, like, food they've never had before for the first time has changed them. Has, like, turned them into a different person. And over time... What this show does, it's really amazing, is it, it, 
it introduces you to more of the fantasy world, and it gives you enough to latch on to that world and make that world real without, once again, giving you so much that you're, like, drowning in the minutia of the lore for no reason. But it gives you enough to for you to start to understand little interpersonal relationships between all these characters, all the patrons of the restaurant. Um, it introduces two characters specifically from the fantasy world who become waitresses at that restaurant. One's a demon girl who's kind of an outcast, but she gets to work at this restaurant, and she gets eventually she gets a job with someone who's a patron at the restaurant in in the kind of like high fantasy realm, which is really funny because they both like eventually they're just like, oh it's the day of Saturn. By the way, this restaurant always shows up on Saturday, but in like the fantasy world it's called the day of Saturn, and they're like, it's the day of Saturn. Let's lock the doors and go through our door. And, like, their door shows up basically in their house. And they, like, go through the this magical door. And they... And she she leaves early and she prepares everything with, like, her, like, friend and... Her, like, friend and colleague and boss come through later and, like, gets food. But, um... And the other one is this other dragon girl who lived by herself on the moon, basically. <laughs> but, um, I, I, the kind of intertwining of all these characters eventually creates this common myth, this, like, almost urban legend in the fantasy world of this door that appears in the day of Saturn at very specific points, and what you'll find on the other side is unlike anything you'll have ever experienced in your life. And it's just like... It's, they use this door... They use that framing to tell everything from... Gen from, like, generational family stories to... Stories about being poor, to stories about being lonely, to stories, uh, to love stories, and to, and stories about everything in between, and it's this really great, really amazing, and incredible, like, way of using basically interdimensional travel to tell, as a framing device, to tell all of these really personal and important, but not world-ending stories. And they have, and sometimes the conceit is, it's kind of hysterically funny, On it's kind of nonsensical and weird, but it, it makes sense because it it makes it feel... It makes the restaurant and the experience of eating at that restaurant feel like this thing that is attainable only on that one day and it is so kind of quiet and relaxing and 
the, I mean, the best word for it would be Iyashke, but, like, um... Fulfilling for these people to be able to, for all the patrons of this restaurant from this fantasy world to be um, why I say patrons. It's because I mean everybody from like high elves to lizard people to like gladiators to once again dragon women, but these people all they love that experience and they rely on that experience and they want that experience it's important to them so important to them that if they miss a day they freak the fuck out <laughs> or they or they come back after having like an impossible universe life ending event almost life ending event and they're like you know I'm really happy I got to come back and like have a meal here and there's uh, there's a few characters who send letters with the like the next generation of the person who used the door who's like and they're like you know I really wish I could have had one last meal but I enjoyed the last meal I had thank you so much take care of whoever finds this letter and you know goes through this door and that's a really cool thing. It's, it's, I mean, I, it's akin to telling stories about traveling and knowing that if somebody else goes to that place where you describe that thing, they could encounter it themselves. And they could be like, you know, this guy told me this story about you, and uh, and that person would be like, what who do you mean? And they'll describe that person, you know, that person could describe me to the other person and be like, oh, Alex! I remember Alex! How's he doing? And that's an instant link between you and this person you've never met before in this place you might have never been to before. And Restaurant to Another World really captured that. It captured that in a way that is not obnoxious and is not so proud of itself that it points at its own accomplishment in a ham-handed way. Um, a example of this is in the real world would be if you go to Morocco and if you go to Fez I couldn't tell you where to find this guy because Fez is basically a labyrinth. But if you go to Fez and you go and you stay in um a, a little Riyadh, right down the way from it, is a fried donut stand. And this guy sells a stick of donut, like a, you can get a, like a whole bag of fried donuts, freshly made, at the end of the day, when he opens up, if you get there in time before all the school kids, for the equivalent of a dollar, maybe five dollars maybe five dollars. And they are excellent. They are amazing. I've done it myself. If you go and you stay, um, I think it's like Riyadh Versus. If you go and you stay in Riyadh Versus, you can go do it yourself. And you can have the same experience and you can say to that guy, you know, this, this guy who 
been here before, who was here a bunch of years ago, told me I should stay in that Riyadh, I should walk down here, I should get your donuts. And he probably won't remember me, but that will be a link between the two of you that has traveled outside of either of you. And And Restaurant from Another World does that in a really convincing and understanding way. And it also conveys the idea of, like, so, of, what, of doing something religiously because you truly enjoy it, and doing it, like, once a week for your own, for, for no one's, for no one else's benefit except for your own. Other people may benefit from it eventually, but currently you do. So, the best example that I can give is when I was working full-time in the city, I would, in, in New York City, what I would do is, once a week, usually on Thursdays, I would make conscious decision to not eat anything I made myself. And I would just, I would just skip out, I would, at, at lunchtime, I would just leave my work, I would leave my office, I'd walk down to wherever I felt like and I'd get myself something good to eat. Um, for a while, I used to go to this place called, um, it's actually pretty famous, and it's actually a place Anthony Bourdain has featured on his show, on one of his many travel shows. Go figure. It's, um, a restaurant up on 51st Street, up on 51st off of, I believe, 8th Avenue, in between 8th and 9th called Yakitori Toto. And I didn't know this place was super well known until Anthony Bourdain talk, until I listened to Anthony Bourdain talk about it in his book. But I used to just go up there, get some yak, get a couple sticks of yakitori, some, a bowl of rice, and a soda generally. And I just had myself, it wasn't like it was like a religious experience, but it was intensely relaxing and it was really nice I just got to sit there and enjoy this food, and then just kind of, like, stroll back to work and doing whatever I was doing. It was a moment for me. Once a week. And I really enjoyed it. And this restaurant from another world captured that perfectly. All of these people do this once a week. This is the thing they do for themselves, and they look forward to it all week. And it, it fulfills them in a way. It, it lets them know that there, that there is something to look forward to in the next week, and I think that's really important. I, th- I think it's really important for a show to demonstrate that in a really positive way and say, it's okay to like to do things for yourself. It's okay to treat yourself to something consistently, constantly, because I think, because there's so much importance placed on big, flashy achievements in life, like, uh, like, you got a raise, you got a bonus, you made, you, like, you had an outstanding first quarter, you, like, you got married, all this other stuff, that the little things, the little moments of just doing something for yourself once a week that isn't big, but it's significant enough for it to matter to you are really important. 
and that could be going to your favorite bagel shop once a, one morning a week. That could be taking yourself out to dinner one night a week. That could be, you know, sitting down at the end of the day and playing an hour of video games. Sitting down at the end of the day and watching a couple episodes of anime before bed. Whatever it is that makes you not only happy, but you. And it, it that will ultimately benefit other people because the other thing that this show does is it shows the kind of spread of happiness from one person to another person to another person. Um, later on in the show, um, the head chef gives his as a kind of like thank you gift to his um, to his first to his quote unquote first employee, this girl. He gives her this little tin of cookies. <laughs> He's like, here, take these, and she eats them. And she's like, holy shit, these are awesome. How do you make these? Um, and she takes them back with her. To her, to the like high fantasy dimension, and that's ultimately how she introduces her like the person she works for and the friend she works for to this restaurant. She's like, "Oh yeah," and this woman's just like, "Oh, these cookies are amazing. We should trade in these cookies. Can you get more of these cookies?" And it, it so it, it's this little thing that she ultimately does for herself because she she takes this job she takes this job because she wants to work but hilariously enough she keeps the job because of the shower and the nice clothes she gets to wear and yet and she says like yeah the food is really incredible but I love taking showers we don't get to do that in my dimension this is fucking cool. And it's just like, they, and of course it's anime, so they have a shot, so they have her, like a scene of her in the shower, but it's less, it's less gratuitous than I'm sure you're imagining. It's more this moment of her just being able to experience something nice for herself. And in the case of her character, you really feel for her because for the first while of that, for the, for most of that show, she you really they make it really clear that she's going back to the fantasy dimension. She's being homeless. <laughs> like she has enough money to get by and to survive and to like eat, but she doesn't have enough money to like live in a house. <laughs> and also, they in the universe of the show, she is a demon. And demons in that show are basically like the they're the black people of the show. They're, they're, they're really people have a huge bias against demons. So like, even if she wanted to live and work, she couldn't necessarily live and work. So it's really it's really it it makes your heart kind of sing when she is working and you see that she enjoys her life regardless of going home and basically sleeping under a propped up peaceful wall every night. Um, but it's, and the show captures that kind of like sweet 
quiet fulfillment that you get from self-care and the way that these people engage in it. It it also captures... And that's, like, the individual episodes once, once... That's, like, all the surrounding side characters. But, like, the main character... The main story that they focus on captures that kind of, like, explore... Like, adventure... Like, feeling of adventure and discovering new things really well. It's... It's a show that by looking at it, you're like, oh, it's one of these. I know what these are. These are kind of cute and fun. But it... It does what it does so well that it's worth checking out. Even if you have your doubts. And, uh, like I said, I... I was definitely late to the bandwagon on this show, and I was like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. I got I, I got higher priority stuff to watch. But once I watched it, I'm like, no, like, I really like that show. And when, I was, and when I was thinking of what I wanted to do for this episode's podcast, at the beginning of the podcast, I, meant, I talked a whole bunch about Anthony Bourdain, blah, 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 blah. I was like, this, I, I thought to myself... This show really captures what Anthony Bourdain was trying to kind of show people. It captures the first. It captures the magic of food and of food bringing people together, and of food kind of quietly settling arguments in a peaceful and meaningful way. But it also captures, like, discovering new things and traveling to different places and meeting new people and all of that stuff. It's... It's really... In that way, it is incredible. In that way, it is... Uh, unlike any other show I've seen, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I think you've probably realized I've seen a lot of shows. I'm... I, I would not continue to do this podcast if I thought I was going to run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> it Within, at the very least, a couple hundred episodes. <laughs> so, if you have a Crunchyroll subscription, you can check it out on Crunchyroll. It's great on Crunchyroll. It's also out on Funimation. Definitely check it out. If you have heard of Anthony Bourdain, but you haven't checked him out, like I said, unfortunately, he is... N- to borrow a phrase from a game that should be getting more press than it should than it is on Switch, that game is Sushi Strikers. That's a fun-ass game that, that you'll either turn on and be like, whoa, what the fuck? Or you will be like, this, this is a fun-ass game, let's go. Um, he was a kind of wanderer on this hungry earth that... We have not gotten before, and we will probably not get since. But lucky for us, he has left behind a treasure trove of things for people to who like him and what he did to experience. And if you haven't experienced that stuff, if you haven't watched those shows, if you haven't read or listened to his books, if you haven't read, read or listened to his interviews... It's all out there. I encourage you to go look for it. Go read it. Go be inspired by 
a love for travel and food and people. And if you're still looking for a way to be inspired by those things, definitely watch. You can also check out Restaurant to Another World on Funimation. It's completely dubbed. It has an amazing, amazing... The opening song is okay, but it has this amazing kind of lullaby-esque ending theme song that I'm definitely going to start playing in the outro here. But on those notes, on those big ideas and notes, I have been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. If you like this show, please share it with a friend. Please give me a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, grab your friend's phones or podcast listening devices. Subscribe them to it by force. Knock them out. Subscribe to it and start playing it for them in their headphones when they wake up. When they wake up from being knocked out, and they'll be like, "Holy shit, what is this?" Oh, you, you passed out listening to that. I don't know. Um, but definitely, you know, ha- have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great life. I will talk at you next time.